Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to another episode of Digital Voices. Hey, first off, I just want to say thanks for listening. I know you have a lot of different things you can listen to, and I'm glad Digital Voices is one of them. And so we're providing sponsor-free, ad-free content, just really strong leaders sharing their points of view. So thanks for joining us. And today we have Dr. Michelle Charles. Michelle, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you, Ed. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I will say I've been following your career for a while now. Uh, I worked for Krista's Health back in 2000, started 2015, 14, 13. And you came and spoke at a nursing informatics council. And I, and you was working, I think, for Texas Health. I was like, wow, this guy is very dynamic. And so I started following your career from that, like watching what you were doing. So I appreciate oh, wow. you having me on here. I mean, this is this is so cool for me. So thank you. Uh, likewise, I'm super flattered. I do remember that. I, I do. I think it was like on a Saturday. It was like a week weekend. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was a great thing. And I love nurses and you're a DNP, a doctor, nurse practitioner, and just like my wife and an MSN and yes. RN. And so I really, when we met um, more formally recently at a Becker's conference, I just felt this kinship with you for many different reasons. And certainly um, the nursing angle was was part of that. And then you were describing to me what great things you're doing, you know, at Parkview. So I was like, I definitely have to have you on Digital Voices. But before we get there, Michelle, everyone always wants to know, what songs are on your playlist? Well, I listen to a lot of spiritual music, uh, but contemporary. Uh, so I listen to, like my song I listen to now, I was just in Houston for Thanksgiving, and my family is really into karaoke. So I did a, a song called Look at God. I just love that song. Uh, yeah. And then, I, and because I'm from the South, I'm a Mississippi girl, we just got to have our blues. So I listened to, so I got a little bit of spiritual, a little bit of blues, and then I love jazz. So uh, when I was in college, I actually, my freshman year played in a jazz band. I'm a flautist. I played flute. And so I love, I got to get a little bit of jazz going on sometime too. So that's, if you listen to me at my playlist, that's what you're going to get. A little bit of spiritual, a little bit of blues, and a little bit of jazz. So oh, I, lo- I love that mix. That, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, maybe offline you'll tell me some of the uh, I like spiritual music as well. And so uh, we probably have some artists, I imagine, in common. What yeah. about a life message or mantra? Is there words that you live by that help guide your life? There is. Uh, there is actually two. Um, God said there's no limits to what he'll do in my life, as long as I'm walking in his purpose that he has provided for me. And then I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Those have been the two things that have really led my life. Uh, And I guess another one is, and I've been saying this a lot lately, is that I definitely put faith over fear. Uh, Because moving to Indiana was a hard thing for me. (laughs) I'm from, you know, 100 degree weather, 100% humidity. And then Indiana? I'm like, you know how cold it gets there? What am I? Are you crazy? I said, okay, Lord, really? I know you got a sense of humor, but Indiana, 20 degree weather, and I'm used to 100. That was a faith move for me to move from Texas to Indiana. 
So yeah. that is what I'm really focused on. Let the faith do what it needs to do for me. And then let, yeah. let God take care of that fear that I have of, should I do it or should I not do it, right? Do it, yeah. go for it. So I guess- Ephesians 4.19, 4, right? Ephesians 4.19, is that, I can do all things- Lisa Christ, Christ. strengthens me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I got <laughs> I got to tell you something that happened to me today because you'll appreciate this. So, you know, in order for me to stay focused and do my daily morning quiet time or meditation, I sometimes rely on the verse of the day that comes via email. And so this verse came at it's like 5.30 a.m. I was in Cleveland finishing a board meeting and I was headed to the airport and this verse came and I felt the sense I was supposed to forward it to someone kind of randomly. I don't know this person all that well. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That was crazy. So I deleted it. And then about a minute later, that sense came back and I sent it to him. And there was an almost immediate reply. And uh, the person had just been thinking about, not that we're doing a, a, a spiritual episode here, but um, <laughs> thinking about finding his faith. And he was struggling, but searching. And he said, that sealed the deal. He's like, to get this random email, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm I'm walking this path. And you I've never know how God can use you. When the spirit you, you know? tells you to do something, you got to do it. Because if not, it'll yeah. bug you all day long. When the spirit yeah. say do it, I've learned, okay, do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because if not, it will, it will not leave me alone, right? But yeah. then I always say to, you're blessing somebody else. It's, it's, it's. Is telling you to do it for a reason, right? Yeah. There is a purpose why you have to do that, right? That's that giving back. That's that that empathy. You know, you're a healthcare worker like me. It's that empathy part of us. That as even though we're technology, that part never leaves us as healthcare workers, right? It's there. It's it's in our heart. It's in our core. So totally. And you you have to be obedient. So when you hear the word, you got to (laughs) go. Go do it. That was my remind. That was the lesson for me today. See, if I'm telling you to do something. There's a reason. We don't always Doesn't see the it? reason, but someday we will. Anyways, yes, we will. Um, so Michelle, we already know a little bit about you in terms of where you grew up and stuff. Tell us a little bit more. Like, how did you decide on nursing? Just to whatever part of your journey you want to share. Well, let's see. I actually at first decided to go to medical school. And this is funny. I decided, oh my gosh, that's a long time to go to school. Well, I ended up going that long anyway. So I decided to go into nursing because it's always been about healthcare for me. But then I was also trying to decide, well, do I do I want to do computers? I had this affinity for computers and math and science. And when I was a freshman in college, I tutored college algebra. So I've always been this math science. Well, then back in the day, you took basic computer. Well, I took that one class and I said, uh, computers is not for me. So then I got into nursing school and I loved it. So, uh, and I will, and from there I worked uh, the last 10 years of my clinical time at Emory in Atlanta. I tell people I became a nurse working at Emory. It's a serious teaching hospital. And I did open heart recovery for over 20 years. Um, And from there, we decided at Emory to do a EHR Cerner. And because I was in charge, it's like, okay, you're a super user because you're a charge nurse. You know how that is. It's always like that. And then when I became a super user, I was like, you know, I kind of like this. This is, this is interesting. And so then the company that was there, they say, hey, you know, you're kind of good. Have you ever thought of 
about doing some consulting? That's a consulting. What is that? You see all these people we brought to help do this, you know, from paper to computer. Have you ever thought about it? I'm like, no, not really. They said, well, give us some thought. You know, we, we need someone to do a, a install in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we think you do a good job. I was like, you know, so my girlfriend, who's a nurse, she's like, let's try this. Let's try this. They're paying, you know. So we did it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I loved it. And it was hard for me to come back to the, to working to the bedside after I did this because I'm like, yeah. you know, I really, and at the same time, I had went to school, got my nurse practitioner, family nurse practitioner. So I was trying to decide, okay, you know, I really should be practicing. Went to school and got this and I'm not doing it. But there's always something that kind of tells you which way you need to go. You know what I mean? So then yes. someone called me up. I met at the Cerner and say, hey, we have an install for Epic. You want to go? I'm like, I don't know Epic. Oh, we'll teach you. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I said, okay, I'll go. So I took a leave from work and got credentialed in Epic. And so then I was like, okay, you know. I think I need to be go. This is what I need to be doing now. So that's kind of how I got into informatics. You know? So then after that, I says, okay, I guess I'll go back to bedside. I did that for a while. And I went back and something just kept telling me, you know. So then somebody called me again. It's weird how people just all of a sudden you get this. But I believe nothing just happens. Things happen because they're supposed to happen, right? They say, hey, we got this uh Hospital needs someone to help with Meditech. I'm like, I don't know Meditech. Oh, we'll teach you. I said, okay. So I go and I do a, a install on Meditech. Well, then I was there as a trainer. So they come to me and they said, hey, we want you to lead this project to take us from paper to computer. And I said, I've never led a project before. What are you talking about? Well, we would believe you can do it. I said, okay, all right. So I said, well, I better go out here and Google, how do you do a project? So I went out there and I Googled how to do a, a project. And it says, you need to do workflows and you gotta have these squares and triangles and circles and all this stuff. And you got you gotta do, so I went out there in the hospital and I did all this workflow. I did workflow on every respiratory nurses. And then I figured out all these order sets. So then, I said, okay, I think I got this. I, I can do it. So then I said, you know, I'm still missing something. I need to know how to build. Oh, you a nurse. You don't need to know how to build in the EHR. I said, but I can't really tell clinicians what they can do, what the technology can do, what the EHR cannot do if I don't know the front end and the back end. All right, we'll give you just one class. I said, that's all I need. They gave me one class, and then I taught myself the rest of the time how to build orders, order sets, documentation, right? So it's like I spent this 10-year journey of really learning informatics, right? From the ground up, I started as a consultant. I went from there to doing project management. I went from there learning how to build in the EHR and how to build in probation, how to build in Meditech, because I'm just this really nosy person, okay? I'm just going to be honest. So I have an aunt that she used to say, People used to say, oh my gosh, you're so nosy. She said, no, I'm not. If you want to know, you got to ask. So yeah. I got to think, you know, that's a good principle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's kind of how my journey. And so then when I moved to Texas as a consultant, there was a job at Krista's Health 
for a director of informatics. And when I went for the interview, they said, you know, your resume says, you know, Cerner, Epic, and Meditech, and we have Cerner, uh, Meditech, and Epic. And I said, yeah, I know all three. (laughs) And I said, hmm, the Lord really has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Boom, 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 boom. And here you go. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and then Michelle, then you now you're a senior vice president, CNIO, of of Parkview, Parkview, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to serve at a Parkview in, in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. There's a, there's another Parkview. So always there like, is, in my mind. and believe it or not, our chief nursing officer at our main flagship hospital was the chief nurse there. Oh wow, wow, <laughs> a small world, right? It's That's it's a great right. it's a great story. So you also got virtual care, virtual health. Tell us that story, how, how you went. So you already had the SVP, CNIO, and then you also got virtual care. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I first came to Parkview four years ago, the CNIO role was a new role. So I spent like the first year explaining what is a CNIO and I would <laughs> explain it. But then what happened, COVID happened, Right. So then our chief of quality and the chief nurse executive came to me and say, hey, we need someone to lead the COVID vaccine clinic and we need, we want you to do it. I said, okay, and you got 30 days to stand it up. Okay. And we're going to give you this Miro Center to do it. Okay. And we want you to be able to give a thousand shots a day. Got it. Okay. So (laughs) that particular project got them to kind of understand what informatics is, right? Because for that particular project, I use simulation, lean processes, tech time, cycle time to get the project going. And then I took that and had our research informatics team to build me a digital prototype where we put all those times and all that. And they build me a model that says to give a thousand shots a day, this is how many nurses you need. This is how many screeners you need. And this is how many registration people you need. So that's when they got to realize, wait a minute, she might know a little bit about technology and clinical, right? And we had one of the smoothest processes you can imagine, right? We were the first clinic in Indiana to give COVID vaccines. My clinic was. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But it was based on lean cycle times, simulation. We simulated this thing three times. We had all these people from Parkview just running around, pretending to be patients and all that. But it was the digital prototype that really made the difference to make a smooth process. So then they realized, okay, we think she knows a little bit about technology. And then I have a dotted to to Ron Double, who's our CIO. So last year around January, I had this idea about virtual care. So they kind of have gotten used to me at Parkview because I always got something up, right? So I said, (laughs) I got this idea. I think we could do virtual sitting, virtual nursing, all this stuff. We kind of had a little bit of it, but it was kind of split up. So I had an idea to bring it all in one spot as like a virtual hospital. So they said, okay, we'll let you try it. (laughs) So last year I started the virtual care department. I hired a director and I hired a manager, right? And we already had a very small virtual sitter program. Now we have four full-time virtual sitters and we do virtual sitting across our whole organization. 
We have installed over 700 cameras in almost every room in our organization. We also, with that program, I have a surveillance nurse program where we, uh, where I help implement uh, the virtual monitors that Epic, it's, it's all Epic. We use Epic and I just took the tools they had and used them. So my surveillance nurses, if you go in there, it looks like a, it looks like a, a cockpit or a, it's just all yes. this, you know, but we have, what we do is we use predictive modeling for sepsis and deterioration index. And we have built that out that if a patient, and what we did this on purpose, because what happened, the nurses were getting a lot of alerts. They're like, this is a lot of noise. We're constantly getting interrupted. We took that alerting from 100% to nursing to only 10%. My surveillance nurses took it all. So they secure chat when there's something going on with the patient. They are experienced ICU nurses that do this. Our sepsis bundle compliance is like 85%, uh, which is phenomenal. And then I have my virtual admission program that I just started in December. We've implemented that at one, one of our, we implemented our, our second largest hospital and at five community hospitals. And just in the month of November, one of our hospitals, we did 95% of the admissions and another one at 70%. So altogether, we've done 2,500 admissions and given back 800 hours to nursing. So I'm just, I, it's so exciting to me to do like, well, so my hospital, I, I'm just blessed to work at Parkview because they're like, oh, here she goes again. <laughs> and I'll have an idea. But one of the things that I, I have learned as a clinician when I spoke at Becker's, I really talked about this. They asked me, what is something as a CNIO that you have to know in today's world? You not only have to be clinical, but you have to be operational and you have to understand the business, right? I always have to have a mentor. So my mentor at Christus was the CIO, George Conklin. I emailed him. I said, I, I, look, I need to know technology. I feel like that's my weakness before you be my mentor. He's like, okay. <laughs> now I felt like finance is my weakness. So my mentor now is who? Our CFO of our hospital, right? Because one of the things I think that has been a gap for clinical is we don't understand the business. So if I want to start a virtual care department, what do I need? A business plan, a performa, my ROI, right? If you can't, sell that and give that and show that you can't get a business, right? So we in the, in the clinical field have got to get much better at not just clinical, but also the business part of clinical, because that is how we are able to take what we want to do, which is really to me the, about the patient and the staff, right? How can I help my clinicians to have more times with their patients? How can I have better outcomes for patients at our organizations to give value? But if you don't have money, you can't give services. I mean, they go hand in hand. It's just how it is, right? So you got to be able to know both. And that's the, that's the space I'm in. Because I never thought of myself as running a business, but essentially that's what I am. My virtual care department is just growing, 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 growing. 
So now I have other portfolios of services that I'm getting ready to add next year. But I had to write a business plan. I had to do pro forma. How are you going to pay for it? Where's your ROI? What kind of staff do you need? Right? So this yeah. is this is the next iteration of learning that part of leadership, uh, that CNI role, right? No, that's that's amazing, Michelle. You're giving us a masterclass on just leadership <laughs> in healthcare, right? Because you're absolutely right, and you recognize that you need to know all those different parts as a, as a leader in order to be your, at your most effective. And, and that's exactly what you've done, and what you're sharing, and having a mentor, and all sorts of things like that. I mean, that's that's like golden because a lot of times I think we. As we rise in our careers, I don't know, we, we, we're we afraid. I think some of it's fear to ask for help, to say, hey, I'd like a mentor, um, because we, we think that maybe people expect us to already be there. But the fact is that most people aren't. So there's nothing wrong with with having a mentor and reaching out and learning new parts of the business. So you're a great, great example of that. So that, thank, thank you, you. For, for that. You know, you mentioned the dotted line with your CIO. What What is one thing that most CNIOs wish CIOs knew about them? That we know about technology like they do. <laughs> I think <laughs> sometimes it surprises them. They'll yeah. talk about virtualization of servers or they'll talk about, you know, being in the cloud and think we don't know what they don't know. I'm a ferocious reader and I read everything. Okay. And I have been working in a technological clinical space for 15 years now. So I, but I still think some CIOs think, oh, they're a nurse, right? Do they, do they really know what we're talking about when we talk about technology, right? And we do, we know both sides. I think we are the interpreter. I'm sure you've heard this before. That CNI role is really the interpreter between clinical and technology because we know both sides, right? And that's how we help bridge the gap. But I also think too, being the CNIO is important from a strategic perspective, right? If there is investment in technology, say for phones or for new EHR or new software, you really want your CNIO right there at the table that they understand how this technology may affect the bedside people, right? That's the value of the CNI role is to give that perspective. Oh, it's beautiful. It looks good. This is, this is technology. Oh, it's beautiful. It's good. Yeah, that's nice, but how does it work at the bedside? I mean, it's got to work at the bedside. That's your customer. How, yes. how, what does your customer think about it, right? So yeah. I think back to your question, I wish they would understand that I'm a chief nurse informatics officer, but I, I will say our CIO has, knows that because I've worked so much with him and I let him know that anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll, you know, so, but, um, but I think that's, you know, when I went to Becker's and I gave a talk with other CNILs across the country, I think I got a little bit that that is a challenge across the country. And if you look, not every, a lot, not all organizations have a CNIO. I don't know if they really understand the value of that role, right? Or when I started virtual care, they like, oh, why are you doing that? You're why are you in the digital space? You know, you're, you're a, a CNIO. And I said, who says I'm just a CNIO? I can be whatever I want to be. I That's can know right. whatever I want to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. my philosophy, yeah. there are no limits, right? I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know, well, it's, you're just a, you're a leader 
And uh, I, I, I believe you could do about anything that you want to, for sure. Uh, no doubt about it. So let's switch to leadership. Mm-hmm. When did you first realize you were a leader? Was there a moment? Was it in your youth or maybe uh, when you were older that, that you suddenly realized, wow, I, I, I'm a leader? I will say the weirdest thing is just in the last 10 years that I decided that I was going to be a leader. Because every other time I've been put in leadership roles, whether I wanted to be or not. When I got out of nursing school in 1988, I graduated, uh, and that was when boards, you took boards three months for two days, three months later for two days. I took my boards and they immediately say, okay, you're in charge at night because we have all LPNs. Huh? Uh-uh. Yeah, you're in charge of an open heart recovery floor. Okay. All right. <laughs> So essentially, I've always been put in a leadership position. And it may be it's something about me where that's always happened. But I would say as far as my career as a leader and actually going for leadership positions, it's probably been the last 10 or 15 years. Because before that, I've always been in a leadership role for as long as I have had a career. But I never went out for a leadership role until the last probably 10 years, which is kind of interesting. So <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. What's the hardest decision you ever, ever had to make as a leader? It's saying no uh, to certain projects that people thought that they really needed to be done. But I felt like my brand is excellence. And you cannot be excellent when you're trying to do too many things, right? And so one of the hardest things, I think, even in today is saying no. Uh, But also understanding not exactly it's a no, but not now. So one of the things I've really tried to work on is not saying just no, blanket no. It is no, but not right now, right? And if it's not right now, when can it be, right? Yes. Or if someone says, and this is not just here, but wherever I, this just seems like the same, always in healthcare, it's like, it seems like this to me. If you want me to do this, then what is the other priorities that need to go away? Resources can be dedicated and delegated a certain way, right? How do you not burn out your people if you don't have priorities that everyone is focused on and working towards. And the other thing I will say too, the reason why that's always hard for me, especially with technology and healthcare, is because it's never a project in healthcare. It is always initiatives because it is ongoing. It is iterative. It is always some kind of change that's coming that may affect what you've already done. So the other thing that I say too is, if you're doing a multi-year project, your resources are on the hook for multi-year. They're not like some IT project where we do the project, we close the books, we're done, we move on to the next. That's not how it works. Some of these are multi-year projects where your teams are on the hook for multi-year, right? Yeah. So that's the, the no I'm talking about. How do you balance that? How do you balance... A competing priority has got to be done, but also those initiatives that are ongoing, that are multi-year and have resources to do it excellent of whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good perspective. 
So Michelle, you do a you do a lot. You've accomplished so much, you know, with your education, with with all the roles that you know in terms of uh, what we've been talking about in career. How do you recharge your batteries and stay fresh? Like, what do you do to like um, sort of chill? Well, I don't know if I, if that's a certain thing for me, except reading. But I work out at least six days a week. So I wake up at four thirty in the morning. I have my coffee. And then I'm in the garage by five o'clock working out. And so that's at least six days a week. That's my jam. That's I get out there and that, you know how you talked about that time you make for yourself in the morning. That's my reflection time, my recharge time. I tell people and they they think it's funny. I say, I give me some good word every morning. I got to have some word every morning. Right. So I give me some good word. And then the other thing is I garden. I love to garden. So I planted 24 rose bushes in my yard this summer. Oh, beautiful. And then I just finished planting probably 1,200 tulips. So I planted about 700 in my yard. And then I just did 25 pots. <laughs> so wow, I love coming dirt over. under my fingernails and just getting in and digging in. And I look crazy, but I love it. It's relaxing. But That's cool. The neatest thing is, I didn't realize this. I did tulips last year. I only did like 10 pots or so. And I'm just very cold natured. I have two heaters in my garage because I work out every morning and it gets like 10 degrees. Well, my tulips started coming up. And I'm like, what are these? And Jane, I'm like, what is this going on? Well, I didn't realize I have a natural, I guess, what is it? uh, Greenhouse or something from the heat in the garage, right? Oh, right. And it was the coolest thing. So every morning I would go out in my garage and I'd watch my tulips come up, come up. (laughs) I mean, it was, so then I had this thing in my head, this, so this year I did double, but I had this thing in my head where it brought me back to my career, just to be honest, and my life, right? Where you create some good soil, some good dirt, right? You plant a seed, right? And then you water it you give it some sun and then yep. here comes the harvest. And so yes. that's what this is like for me in my garage every morning when I do my gardening is watching my seeds come up and, and flourish. Yeah. So I, I just love that. So, yeah, that's a great, great analogy. Well, <laughs> we, we covered a lot. Um, we covered a, a tremendous amount, you know, for everything from, music and then a lot about nursing and technology and the role of a CNIO and then a lot about leadership and, and uh, our faith as well. Uh, what did we miss or is there anything else you want to double down on? I'll give you the last word. I don't know. I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about what that CNI role is and, and how it can contribute to healthcare. Um, and I'm hoping that this role can continue to be added to other organizations because I feel like it's a very important role. But I will tell you, at the end of the day, for me, it's always about the patient. Um, and one of the things is that I hope is that we don't get so involved with technology that we forget about that patient. Yeah. Um, I tell people uh, one of the things I miss so much is patient care. I was that nurse's nurse that would sit and talk to that patient. There is nothing like therapeutic touch. There is nothing yeah. like someone having a hard time and you touch their hand and tell them, 
I'm here with you and I got you. Technology cannot give you that, right? And so I hope we don't get so, and I'm a tech, I love technology, but I hope we don't get so in love with technology that we forget the human component of, and I tell people this, in my mind, healthcare is 20% transactional and 80% relational, okay? And yes, there's technology that can do everything, but at the end of the day, if someone comes to me and tells me that that, that I'm sick and I got to have surgery, I don't want a machine telling me, I want a person telling me, right? right? Totally. And we cannot forget that. So if I would give one last word, I would say, remember, healthcare is relational. It is really not transactional. And I'm hoping that I myself can remember that as I go through this healthcare journey and technology that I love. So I think that's a great way to summarize, Michelle, our our discussion. And (laughs) and I I appreciate you. You're you're a very inspirational leader. I knew I had this uh, kinship (laughs) with you when we met. And now I know why. And uh, someday I want to see all those flowers too. So I'll have to make my way out there and uh, check out your garden. Yes. And I'll send you some pictures too. Yeah, no, I'd love to see that. I, I, we're we're big. I'm looking outside right now as we talk, and uh, my wife and I just recently planted some things. So, uh, looking forward to those coming up in the spring. So, again, thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again. And that wraps up this edition of Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.